This podcast is brought to you by our partners at 8 Star Energy. 8 Star Energy, a clean energy company, leading the future of portable and renewable energy. To find out more, follow them on Facebook at 8 Star Energy. I want attacking purpose for football all the time. Now we've got our backs against the wall and we're going to fight, and we're going to fight hard. You've got to show me all the gaps and all the determination you've got in your body. You've got to inspire me. A marvellous kick. That's as good as you'll ever see. And puts Graham back in front. I don't know about you guys, but if I see one bloke walking out of here, keep the pat on back from people out there for a good effort, I'll spill up. From inside the centre square, boys kick the goal. Boys kick the goal. From inside the centre. Hey folks, welcome to Danny Boyd, a podcast about the most spectacular, the most wonderful, the just the perfect football club. That That is the Western Bulldogs, the, the Footscray Football Club. That's our trading name. I'm Danny McGinley. He's Tom Boyd. This is a, we got no guest this week, Boydie, because we thought we could do, we're a third of the way through the season. Let's actually, you know, let's let's analyse where we're at. Let's have a, so, uh, you know, some some real talk. How's that? Some some straight talking about what what's going on. Mate, it's uh, it's funny. We obviously record once a week, once on Patreon. So if you haven't checked us out on Patreon, please do. Always good to uh, to have some more members join the the clan. Um, look, it's much easier doing these uh, Bulldogs uh, sessions for the the broader public after a game like Friday night. So oh, it's yeah. uh, it's great to be here, mate. And also, might I add, given that we're at the quarter of the way through the season, if we had lost. This review would have been much more difficult to spin. So uh, I'm really happy that the boys looked as sharp as they did, particularly in the first quarter and um, yeah, throughout the game. How, how did you see it, mate? You saw uh, you were at the game, obviously. I was there live. It was uh, it was pretty damn exciting. Uh, by the time I finally we arrived at the ground, uh, grabbed a beer, and then by the time we actually got to our seat, uh, we were like 20 points up. It was uh, it was pretty amazing, and. It was yeah, it was it was an actually relaxing game. Uh, if we can give an insight into what happens in the Patreon episodes, we're a bit more blunt. We're a bit more. Uh, we get into you get a bit more analytical. I get a bit more. Uh, well, I, I'd say dumb things, and uh, I believe um, you know we're we're both anti gamblers. We're not. We don't put bets on or anything like that. But we did have a bit of a. We didn't think we were going to do very well in this game, and I believe I told everyone to uh, to bet their house on Collingwood, uh, and I'm glad <laughs> nobody did. Or at least if they did, they've uh, they've not told us about it. So just yeah, shows I know nothing advice about it. Dis- we need a financial advice disclaimer when you start saying things like that, Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't. Well, no. Just just do the opposite of what I tell you to do. <laughs> well, it was funny to see. Um, like I, I, we'd known that there was quite a few players who obviously have been out. We actually have quite the extensive injury slash illness list at the moment, which always makes things more challenging. But um, you know, evidently Collingwood have got their own challenges that they're dealing oh, with yes. as well. So, um, mate, I, I wanted to get an insight from the game. I, I wasn't there in person. Um, were the boos for Trelaw as big as it sort of sounded at times, or was it no. a bit overhyped? No, no, I did, actually didn't hear them where where we were sitting. Uh, yeah, right. The only the boos I did hear were for uh, we apparently we're doing the uh, the Paul Roo style boo coo yeah, for Buku yeah, yeah. Thomas, who's uh, fast How becoming. Good, 
Oh, oh he's how so good. good. Watching him play good. He's such a yeah, mate. He, and look, I had the pleasure of spending probably. I think he's Bailey Smith's year, right? So probably five months with him, five or so months. And a little bit beforehand when he was training with us, maybe coming through the Bulldogs Academy. And he is just the best bloke to hang around. Is he? He's so happy. Yes. He's funny. He's uh, he's cheeky. Like He's the perfect teammate to keep the locker room up and about. So I must say, I had no idea where he would end up like playing football um, in terms of on the ground, position on the ground. And to see him playing forward and making an impact – Actually looks really dangerous down there. He's like kind of that awkward height to play on. He's athletic. He kicks straight, which is always nice and rare amongst <laughs> Bulldogs players. Um, mate, it's been awesome watching him come along in the last few weeks. So super excited. Yeah. I think he can string together a few more good games towards the end of the year. I will say, actually, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we grabbed a beer and then head, headed to the seats. But uh, on the way there, uh, Buku had kicked the opening goal already. So I went, oh, you yeah. know what? I'm going to get a Buku badge just to, just to you know, celebrate this moment. Sold out. Sold out before Sold we'd out. even got to the seats. <laughs> he is that yeah. much of a cult hero already. If that doesn't tell you all you need to know, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand the obsession with badges because I've met so many fans over the years who have like 30 badges on a scarf. And I'm like, it must be like walking around with like chain mail on or something. It'd be heavy as, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I couldn't I couldn't do it like that. I usually just uh, bring one out for uh, for special occasions for their, their, you know, their milestone matches or if they're, a, you know, a player that you want to remember later later yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, I will admit, Tom. I uh, I bought one in. Tw- I bought a Tom Boyd badge the week after you retired in 2018. So I wanted to remember yeah. my boy. <laughs> it's just in a drawer somewhere. I, reti- but, you know, I, ret- I, I retired, it, Danny. Whenever you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there, there you go. Well, mate, we're we're here today. I mean, we we do have a special segment with uh, our sponsor, Jazz Stevens. Um, Craig actually has some incredible insights from his time at the Bulldogs and has sort of grown up around the kennel over the years and is linked all the way back to being, you know, to his great-grandfather being the mayor of Footscray. So yeah. when we talk about uh, sponsors that align with our brand, <laughs> Jazz Stevens is right on the money, which is great. Mm. So um, we had a really good chat with him, so stick around for that. But, um, Danny, what are you uh, – how are you feeling nine, nine weeks? How many weeks are we into the season? Eight? Yeah, we're nine weeks in. Nine weeks. Nine. So we're more like a third of the way through. Yeah. How um yeah. how's it all sitting on your end, mate? It is oh, if I'm gonna be blunt, it's frustrating. It is absolutely frustrating this year. I we've have lost some games that I feel we should have won. And Friday, yeah, came at the best time because that's the first time I've felt, oh, we're gonna lose and I've been wrong. Uh we've right. We, you know, you make, you make the grand final. You lead the grand final uh, through the third quarter. Famously, you, you you've got a fair bit of optimism in the off season, uh, and then it uh, it goes badly. But you know, there's some games where we should have won. You know, but if only we kick straight, like Carlton, Richmond. These yeah. are teams that you know, and it's just you know, as we say, you you, you win those games, and we're we're suddenly knocking on the top four, and it's a very different. Uh, mindset. So to be, I haven't felt that we've been beaten too many times. I always feel like we're just shooting ourselves in the foot. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that just could be yeah. because I I watch the ball. You know, I'm such a blinkered fan. 
I go with uh, with that. But at the, look, we've shown signs of greatness. We were, you know we kicked eight straight against Melbourne, you know, and everyone's talking about how Melbourne are pretty much unbeatable. But we showed that we can do it, just not for four quarters. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll yep. get there in the end. Actually, something I'll just mention about Collingwood. Uh, it, it did occur to me halfway through the third quarter that we were nineteen mm. points up. And yeah, we are when, so... start, when they started threatening to start get kicking straight. And then, yeah. what is it, Dugowie gives away that 50 and sort of the whole uh, momentum train comes to a halt pretty much. Yeah, and I've I got to say, the, the, the descent rule looked like it would be another talking point, but clearly I think uh, Brad Scott said to the umpires, hey, let's tone it down, because it, Buku got uh, done for descent, but he oh, didn't I'd... say anything. It was just yeah. his... Uh, look... I, for, let me just say this loud and clearly. I am a huge believer in uh, respecting umpires because, to be honest, I mean, I remember coming up the juniors and, like, you couldn't find umpires to save yourselves. Boundary umpires were impossible to come by. They'd be the water boy or the, you know, the injured kid throwing the ball in. Um, goal yep. umpires would be the completely biased dad who would just, you know, um, put his blinkers on depending on which end he was umpiring. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've done um, that. So I, I am all for supporting umpires, but I yeah that Buku one it's like it is mind boggling to me because the other thing I'm an advocate for is like open dialogue with the umpires, not yes not a abu- not not in the moment per se, but I've always had conversations as a forward with the umpires about what's actually going on behind play, whether they're missing things at least in my eyes, which is usually holding or jumpers uh, scragging or whatever it is doesn't really matter. And I've always found those conversations to be worthwhile because, you know, you're both adults, you're both professionals, you're out on the field. You should be able to communicate. And I wonder if the dissent rule is scaring players away from even talking to the umpires because, you know, the players are passionate. They're going to be fired up. They've got blood pumping through their their brains at a 1,000 miles an hour. Um, Yeah, I wonder if it's actually going to do some harm in terms of the open dialogue over over the course of the rule. What did you call the umpires? Did you call them sir or, or was it just uh, mate? Mate. I didn't, yeah, I, I didn't know their names. I mean, <laughs> I didn't give away too many 50s. You can check how many. I, the statistician out there who actually checked. It wasn't really my thing. I'm not much of a um, – I was usually too tired to yell at anyone. But <laughs> um, I, I think the, like, the ones that get me are like for like Buku – who there's an argument to be said that there was, you know, maybe uh, illegal contact in that marking contest. I mean, it could go either way. It's not really the point. If you can't, like, look at the umpire with your arms out, it's like, that's like, you know, that's that's basically him saying, I know where the boundary is and I'm not going to cross it. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> as soon as he starts yelling, it's, it's different because he knows that there's no dissent, but, can you descend to just standing there with your arms out? <laughs> oh, his, his arms definitely had tone. They were, uh, yeah, you know. They he... had tone, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not, I've, I've seen some more tone from people's arms over the years as footballers towards umpires and certainly weren't both free kicks for. So, anyway, I just want Buka to do well, I guess. So, anyway, it's, uh, yeah. it's a funny I, I, one. I would really like it if the umpires gave post-match presses. Yeah, I just know. The, about this There's something to yeah. it, right? Like, I think I think people want to see the personality of umpires, just not on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, I mean, Razor's always been the target of some uh, supporter dissent, shall we say? Because oh, he's yeah, quite yeah, yeah. vocal on the ground, and um, 
He's actually a ripping bloke. I've, I've met yeah, him I love time. him. Yep. Um, and really quite a good speaker as well. But, um, yeah, you, you want to know who these people are just in the confines of a professional environment where, you know, they're perhaps more comfortable. But then again, I don't know, like dissecting the game before they get the chance to, it's kind of like putting the coaches in an awkward position where you're like, what did you think about this incident halfway through the third quarter? And the coaches invariably answer and then just put their foot in it because they haven't rewatched it and analysed it and actually worked out what happened. So, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? It's a tough one. It's or even one if they sure. did it. If they did the presser on the Monday, just they just one for the round, and they could all yeah. ask Brad Scott, "Hey, what about this? You know, this. You know, that, I think that would be that would be beneficial." Yeah. Although I'd, I'd prefer yeah. the umpires themselves answer, just so we could see their personality and and because you, I find it hard to abuse Razor Ray because I know his personality now, like he's a human, whereas a lot of the um, rest of the umpires are just just faceless humans that yeah. I can just... They, a lot of them look the same because they're all so fit as well. Yes. Like fit, tall, good runners. I, the yeah. other thing, that, mate, I used to laugh so hard at Razor because we, we'd have him back in the days where we'd play that he had and he'd be bouncing the ball. Now, his efficacy in bouncing the ball straight was unbelievable, but bouncing it high, not so much. So he'd end up with these two ruckmen running at 100 miles an hour, not jumping and just putting their knees out which oh. is just like oh. injury central. And I just remember laughing at how many times you had to like recall it or whatever. Oh, it was good fun. He, and he'd always come back smiling before he threw it through a nut. This is what anyway, you want. This is about yeah, the umpires. We, we have to no. talk about the dogs, mate. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, when, so, do I have any other notes? On the game, uh, you know, no, it was a it was a great effort all round. Um, very excited to see you know people like Riley West who haven't played in ages, and I thought did you know and there was no there was no weak points uh, throughout the field as far as I could see. Yeah. Uh, I, I found do you know what I said towards the end we uh, me and my mate uh, went down to the um, closer to the ground so we could just get a bit more of a vibe there and. Uh, Came, you know, Collingwood fans are usually quite feral. Um, we got the opposite. We got ultra conservative Collingwood fans who very nice, started, friendly ones. They, <laughs> no, not friendly. Oh no, 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 oh, not no. friendly. No, they were uh, they were not impressed with our uh, lack of decorum. Was mm. uh, was I was berated for uh, for questioning an umpire's uh, decision, possibly using an f word. But uh, it was yeah, they were they were just dicks. It was uh, it was a real shame. <laughs> You know, I couldn't help thinking when I was watching uh, uh, the game. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember when Riley West kicked the ball along to Tony Scott and he took a mark inside fifty? Do you remember that play? Uh, so not like off the, the top perfect, of it. Sort of like the perfect play from half back through the middle of the ground, handball, handball, and then Riley West gets the ball. Bont streaming past him on his left, and he just goes, "Nah, not going to handball to you. I'm just going to turn around and kick it long." And it, thankfully, it worked out because I'm like, that is coaching 101. The first and only thing you get taught in under nines is give the handball to the runners. And it was your <laughs> captain who's also left-footed. So I'm very thankful that, <laughs> that Scotty marked that one because I'm sure it would have come up in the uh, the post-match review otherwise. So, uh, mate, I'm a bit the same. It's great to see some of the young boys out there getting a kick, um, playing well. And, um, yeah, we're always looking to find the next breed of Bulldogs, which is which is exciting. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the, the you know as as frustrating as, as this is, the future is bright. I thought Libba was uh, unbelievable. Happy birthday to Libba, Libba! Happy this birthday, week. happy thirtieth. Very very. He's exciting. thirty now. 
but he's still uh, very strong. I enjoyed him having a bit of a... I don't know why he was having a dig at Taylor Adams at the final siren, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know why Liver does a lot of his things, and I, would, I wouldn't even dream to understand what goes on inside I'm sure that Liver and, uh Yeah, I'm sure Liver and Taylor Adams have gone at it more than a few times. I'm trying to think on yeah. the top of my head. But, I yeah, I'm sure that they would have been opposed to each other maybe a dozen times during their career, and they're both hard nuts, so, um, yeah. you know. We smashed, um, as as Chaz Licadello uh, pointed out in a couple of episodes, uh, whenever we smash a team in the midfield, we always win comfortably. That is exactly yep. what happens. I mean, uh, you know, Bailey got uh, Bailey Smith got forty one touches, uh, and I think the the high uh, Jack Crisp was the the highest Collingwood uh, ball getter, and he only got twenty four. And there was yeah. one, two, three, four. There were seven dogs. Uh, with the top seven uh, possession getters were all bulldogs. So, mate, we're fine. We're all good. One of the best wins of the year. Uh, you know, how do you feel? How do you? What do you feel? We're at uh, at a third of the way through the season. What's what's your learned brain telling us? Well, my learned brain from this app that I'm looking at is telling me that we had 146 to 106 contested possessions and 286 to 202 uncontested, which pretty much reeks of an, a like typical Bulldogs game that's good. Lots of possessions, yep. smash them in the midfield, beat them contested, beat them on the outside. Um, yeah, it's a good uh, good weekend, mate. Um, how do I feel? I think we. I, I think I stand by the fact that we're just trying to find the right mix at the in the the sort of player fifteen to twenty two picked. I would say every week, like who are the yeah, players nice. who are going to step up for us in the you know and go on. I think about like two like last year, like Cody Waitman just went on this run where he just became a staple in the side. Yeah. Who is going to be the Cody Waitman of this season? Who is going to be the person who steps up in the different position? And we probably, to be frank, we need three or four of them to finish the okay. year really, really well. So we need Bruker to keep kicking goals. Yes, we need, he's the obvious um, one. Yeah, we need some, you know, some players to to turn up in the forward line to help Naughty out. Uh, you know, we've got some senior players to come back hopefully the next couple of weeks, which would be really helpful. Um, Timmy English hopefully will be back on deck soon, and he's feeling better. Um. Yeah. I, look, I think we're. I think we're in it. We're in a in a much better place than we could have been. Um, yeah. Which is basically to say we're a game and a half out of the eight in terms of you know we're we're a game behind eighth and six percent or something, which is not impossible to close, though it is difficult when you kick lots of points. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I think there's probably three or four teams in the eight that could go either way. They'll either finish strong or they'll potentially capitulate, which is obviously the preferable version for us, but if we'll see. Looking at that top eight sides, uh, looking at all, you know, looking at all, if we were matched up against any, the only two that I would not have much confidence of all of us defeating in a final right now would be Brisbane and the D's. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the D's I, I, just you know, look so strong. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully they they capitulate soon. Um, even just for the neutrals who are going to be bored of the season if they keep dominating. But uh, I think Frio, you know, Gold Coast showed them up yesterday. Carlton, we could beat Sydney. We have beaten St Kilda. You know, they always seem to fire up against us, which would be annoying. But uh, I reckon we can beat Geelong and Richmond. Definitely, we'd have a 
uh, a feeling of wanting to get revenge or, you know, to, to prove ourselves again. So long story short, yeah, we're on track to win the flag, I'd say. Yeah, well, yeah. I think um, the, uh, the typical June... July grind is is really going to be very very telling for us. Obviously, um, you know we need to win probably seventy five percent of games to finish the year to be comfortably in the eight. I yep. would say um, to be anywhere near top four, we probably need to win all but a couple, mm-hmm. um, which is a big ask. But yeah, I, I do feel like there's some there is some vulnerability in the teams above us. But then likewise, there's some teams that are playing better footy than perhaps they're like, like I would say we are we're probably a better side we're definitely a better side than nine so um, I would suggest that at this point in the season the coaching group and the players they're just trying to find what works um, as all teams are yep. but with the intention of looking at well, how do we go on a run of six or seven weeks where we basically don't lose a game or we only lose one and that's not the way they'll approach it. They'll approach it week by week and they'll continue to sort of um, analyse and design the, the team and the game plan um, uh, against our opposition. But that that's what they are, I'm sure they're hoping for, trying to string together a few wins. Well, I reckon we can do it uh, pretty soon. I mean, we've got three more weeks till the bye, uh, playing Gold Coast at Ballarat, which always works in our favour because they all get hypothermia. Uh, then yes. we got the Eagles uh, over there, which normally absolute horror game. But considering uh, you know, even Best I'm playing game, for West probably Coast, probably my favorite game days. of the year last year from us, Danny. That oh game. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was a real yeah, turning point. Was... Yeah, good point. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, I think, and I think we'd be confident. I think the Eagles look like they're labouring a little bit too. So oh yeah, um, not that I've watched a heap of their footy, but um, they are an older side. I would say. Yeah, and then speaking of older sides, we then play the Cats at, uh, at at Dogland on a Friday night. So I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking we can win the next three. But then again, I'm a chronic optimist. That's what I do. I think the, ne- the next two I'm more confident about. It would be interesting to see how we go against the Cats because we've always played them down at Skilled like almost every year or sorry, Skilled yeah. or whatever it's called. Yep. It's Jam HBA. Um, Cardinia Park. Yeah. Cardinia. Which I What I do, because I worked at the ABC where you can't use the branded stadium names. So I just have it. And, man, it's so much easier just to say Docklands rather than, you know. I mean, God, it's 20 years old. It's had four names. Colonial. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Then what what was it after Colonial? Telstra Dome. Oh, it was Telstra next, right? Yeah. And then Marble. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows what next. Yeah, I think the Cats might be the, the danger game for us, presuming we get, get through the next two weeks. Again, like, it's simple. At the end of the day, like, by the time we get to sort of round 15 or 16, it's simple mathematics in terms of how we make the, the, um, make the eight. So I'm, uh, I'm optimistic without being super-duper confident Fair right enough. now. Yep. And, I really, yeah, and again, that really stems from just like the amount of flux we have in a team. Like we've performed very well in seasons where we have had lots of change and lots of players in the side. I think in 2016 we had 39 players play. I think in 2020 we had something like 40, maybe. And last year like, we used all everyone except uh, yeah. Dominic Bedendo. Yeah, so w- we can play that way, but I don't think they would be as 
it's not usually under the circumstance where they're trying to find the right mix. It's usually like we've got significant injuries to, so 2016, we've got, you know, Woody, uh, Dale Morris, Libba, um, Jack McRae, Jack Redpath, Mitch Wallace, uh, like all of these big injuries, Lin Jong, big injuries that make them have to play everyone. Yeah. Where, yeah. And then we sort of got the mix right at the end of the year. And I think this year it's like, let's, we, we, we're trying to get the right mix and, Trying to get some stability in the side is really going to be key for us, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we've got a fair bit of listener mail to get through, but uh, that's going to come up on the other side of this. Have a listen. We interrupt this episode of Danny Boyd to bring you a, it's sort of like a, a lift out in the magazine that you are listening to. Uh, edited by Tom Boyd and myself to it's where the, it's the sponsors because we we have great sponsors Eight Star Energy been with us from day one but we you know we've got the greatest real estate agent on earth and you know we, you, you may have noticed that we've been uh, doing mentioning him at the the start top and tail of the show giving out the awards every week but we we didn't just grab any real estate we're not just taking money from anyone Boydie we are. We are very discerning because so many people want to give us money for this podcast. We had uh, Clive Palmer. We had uh, Rio Tinto. We had uh, Donald Trump. Uh, wanted sports us to bet. Sports bet. Uh, uh, even uh, Boris Johnson just wanted to get on board. And we said no to all of these people and because uh, we only have the creme de la creme, eight-star energy. But, of course, Jazz Stevens Real Estate. Oh, what what a real estate agency! No, uh, look, it sounds like this is an ad. It is, it, but it's more integration. We've got the great man Craig Stevens from Jazz Stevens to give us his bona fides of actually why he's got behind a podcast about the Footscray Football Club. Craig, welcome to Danny Boyd. Uh, tell us how, how do, what is your link to the club? G'day, Danny. G'day, Tom. Uh, thanks for that. Um, actually, I just got listening to the podcast there uh, during lockdown on on the many walks and really like what. Uh, the content and some of the stories and uh, sort of get behind you guys and uh, gave a, a shout out to Tom. And next thing I know, I was uh, I was at your pre-launch sponsors night, which is only us <laughs> and eight-star energy. It was a really great night in that phone box. But, uh, <laughs> it was great. As, as I recall, uh, it was catered by Hungry Jack's drive-thru. It was. It was. <laughs> but uh, no, long-time Bulldog uh, supporter, my great-grandfather, uh, James Henry Stevens, that's where the jazz comes from, uh, was president in 1923 when they were in the VFL. Then, of course, the next year they went to the uh, the uh, or VFA, then into the VFL. But um, no, fourth-generation family business, long-life uh, Bulldog supporters and uh, was there in 89 during the fight back and uh, it was there all, obviously all the uh, the last few years and currently now a, uh, a sponsor of the Coaches Club. So uh, sponsor our great coach, uh, Bevo, with a number of other business people. So... Uh, yeah, always been a bulldog supporter. Love uh, sitting out in the outer and uh, supporting the red, white, and blue. Craig, um, I just want to—I have been told, and I, you could be able to confirm this. Um, back in the twenties, when your grandfather, great grandfather, uh, what, what generation are we talking here? This is uh, I'm the fourth generation. So uh, Jazz was uh, president. Actually, he was he was mayor of Footscray, and when you were that's mayor what of I was going to ask. Because if you're yeah. mayor at Footscray back then, you were automatically president of the football club. Correct. Yep. Yep. So uh, a weird uh, scenario, but that's what actually happened. And uh, that was the year I think they beat Essendon in that uh, VFA match after the season. And I think that's sort of yes. triggered them going into the VFL with uh, a couple of other teams. I believe for the title of Champions of Victoria, 
which implied champions of the world, which has never been re, <laughs> which has never been re fought, you know, replayed. So we still hold yeah. that title. We are the world champ, reigning world champions, coming up to a hundred years. I mean, that's a record. We got to celebrate that. The club should celebrate that. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that. a bit like the way the Americans treat their baseball. It's sort of a, it's a bit on the nose to claim world champion <laughs> when you're the only country that's involved, and in this case, state. <laughs> <laughs> But Craig, you've got bona fides. You uh, you were just telling us off air about uh, a couple of stories. One one happy, one sad. Let's let's start with the happy one. Uh, Rodney Eat got you to uh, sort of t- to pay for us to get a rookie. I mean, how did how did you go about that? Yeah, well, basically, when uh, Rocket obviously came down from Sydney, we're all as Bulldog supporters very excited to get a, a big name coach, and I, I went up to him at school drop off where uh, our daughters went to the same school and. Being a real estate agent, handed him a business card and said, I'm a Bulldog supporter. If you ever need a, a hand with anything, uh, please yell out. Um, I was a little bit surprised. Three weeks later, he actually rang me up and uh, and said, uh, look, we've never had a rookie at the Bulldogs. Is there any chance you and a couple of mates can maybe raise $80,000 in the next three weeks before the first uh, rookie draft? And uh, let's see how we go. So bit of a challenge. So I put together at Sportsman's Night at the uh, the new training facility there at uh, Whitnoble. It just been opened. And um, we charged 50 bucks at the door and uh, we got about 100-odd f- people. It was party pies and sausage rolls and cold cans of beer. And uh, being an auctioneer, I raided the property steward's room and uh, got every piece of uh, Chris Grant's uh, footy boots and footy shorts and sports jocks and got him to sign it all and auctioned off that. But it was a great night. Uh, we actually auctioned off also a 5% share in a racehorse that a bulldog uh, breeder Ooh. had donated. Uh, we said it was worth ten grand, but we ended up getting five grand for it. Uh, the footnote to that story was that the, the horse actually never made it to the track. About a year later, it died of a heart attack. So that's typical oh, bulldog oh. luck. But so we end up raising. Laugh. That's a horrible story. Sorry. Yeah, we end up raising sixty thousand dollars, which led us to uh, two rookies. Uh, the first rookie was a kid by the name of Jamison Daniels, who I don't think he may have played one game, but good name um, though. I've not heard of Jamison Daniels. Strong, That's strong, yeah. strong that name. Is, yeah, surely the, the nickname second, was Single Malt. Surely the second the second rookie was someone you may have heard of by the name of Liam Picken. Hey. So, so our twenty thousand, and I must shout out here and make it. Uh, you know, Brendan Curry, a good mate of mine, is a CEO of the Williamstown Football Club, also threw in the the balance, and it was facilitated uh, through the uh, through the footy club through James Fantasia. So Liam Picken was probably the steak knives of the rookie night. He came along as the second rookie, and uh, of course his career went from strength to strength. So that was our first um, rookie night. Uh, of Rockets' first season, and certainly uh, it was good to be involved with the footy club and give back uh, a little bit of fundraising uh, money. So what, now, what I'm hearing uh, here, or you, you go, Brady. I've got two questions. Well, firstly, uh, the first one's a, a thank you note because Liam was an absolute fantastic human to play footy with and obviously a, uh, as important a player through that final series in 2016 as anyone, obviously winning uh, finals player of the of the year. Uh, the second one, did you vet how much each of these rookies were getting paid at the time? Because my memory of like the early 2000s where they were getting paid about eight grand and a, a couple of packets of chips at that stage. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, all, all the all the uh, the high jump bar was set at forty thousand bucks a rookie. That's what we were told when we met with uh, yeah. Simon Garlic, rookie. But that probably pays for their footy boots and jumper, I suppose. But uh, we raised sixty, so we we technically had one and a half rookies. But as I said, the Williamstown <laughs> Footy Club chipped, chipped him some money. And, uh, and Liam, I think, had trained with Collingwood at the time or, or, or yeah, whatever, yeah, you know, the look of the father son. So, yeah. Yeah, but we left it with the footy club as to who they're going to use those two rookie drafts uh, picks on. But, um, yeah, what a game. What a game in that, in that 16 series. Um, yeah, and, and, and Liam, Liam was playing at Williamstown, Williamstown at the time, correct? Correct. I think he won a, so, a BNF, done very well. So yeah. it was great. So, so Williamstown actually almost paid half of his salary to play at another club. Um, I think they did I, actually. I can't ima- yeah, I can't imagine that happening now, given that Footscray, VFL, and Williamstown yeah. don't get along like they used to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> what a great player. It's uh, it it sort of it, it it doesn't. If I was Liam Pickin, you'd be very excited to get a, a you know AFL contract, but you'd be a bit worried of why don't they want me down the club. Like is he is 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 Pico's bo that bad, Boydie, or is it? Uh... Or why do they want him out of the club? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think probably back then football was a bit purer, and a, a lot of our VFL boys would have been playing at Williamstown. So yeah. much like Footscray's the feeder club to you know our AFL list now. I mean, Robin McCrone is probably the most recent, but we've had a number over the years. Um, that was Williamstown back then. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's actually a, a really good story of genuine football care, which probably doesn't exist as much anymore than it, than it once did. It's true. If we, we ever get Pico to respond to our request to come onto the pod, we will hear all about it. And uh, what I'm actually hearing here, Craig, is that um, on grand final day 2016, I mean, uh, Boydie contributed, kicked three goals. Uh I, you know, wrote the banner and uh, you kicked the winning goal is ultimately what I'm hearing, Craig. <laughs> I wish I did. But uh, that was a fantastic series. I, I still think, though, the best game of that series uh, for me personally was the uh, the GWS game up there at Homebush. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, actually to win one of those preliminary finals because we've been so close for so long. But to actually win it in the, in the style that we did and then the aftermath, the two hours after, because it was a, a twilight game, um, I don't know if I told you guys this, but you know, we all went to the centre of the ground. We all hugged and you know, basically celebrated as as I was with my brothers who live in Sydney, and the crowd itself was just chanting "Go Doggies" at the race. I believe the players went straight back to Melbourne, but as supporters, we looked around for a bar at at Homebush to go and drink and celebrate, and it was literally like March. There was nothing open except yeah. one hotel. <laughs> one hotel. Uh, it was like a holiday inn, and we went in there as Bulldog supporters. By this stage, there was four or 500 of us looking for a beer, and there was one barman behind one bar. And we, oh. we, we walked in. <laughs> he, he, he kind of had this look of, what the hell is going on over at Homebush? But uh, we, uh, we were coming in. We were pretty thirsty. The, the replay just started, and, of course, we virtually jumped the bar and helped ourselves to uh, some grog, but we all sat down and watched it. Uh, the great man Matthew Croft was there. Every time Crofty went up to go to the tour, he got a massive cheer. But uh, we watched the game for two hours just to make sure we won that game. And then, of course, went back to my brother's place that night in Mosman and watched it again. So I think I ended up going to bed about uh, about one o'clock. But that was probably, in my life, uh, the number one game. And I think 16 grand final, it was just great to be there. It was just a celebration and we all loved the day. And uh, it was a cherry on top winning it and uh, 
BAG, maybe the Tom Boyd there. <laughs> ah, he knows. He knows. He's listened to the podcast. Yeah, that, that um, when I was at the elimination final in 2019 at uh, Homebush, which uh, didn't go as well, and we all went back to that same bar. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they haven't increased their staffage. So it was an even worse night. But we talk about prelims. Um, you, I mean, this trigger warning for all Bulldogs fans, um, we're going to talk about 97. Um, yeah. You were, you went, I mean, we were all, you, where were you sitting in 97? Because I, I don't know, I've probably mentioned it. I was behind the goals. I saw Liver's kick go through. Yeah. Uh, where were you? I was in the northern stand. I was sitting in the old wooden seats and um, I was sitting actually next to my brother's uh, girlfriend at the time, now his wife, who's actually from Adelaide. So oh. she was probably the only Adelaide supporter in our section. But, you know, halfway through that last quarter when you're four goals up and, and you know, the liver point, which was really a goal, any of those goals go through. Mark West running into an open goal, kicking a point. I think we kicked seven points in that last quarter. Any of those points become goals. I think we run away with a victory and, dare yep. I say, march into the grand final against St Kilda. But uh, it was heartbreak. Um, I felt like Bubba Smith when he was hitting the ground. We were always supporters just... Um, um, Can you hear that? Look, even the talk of 97 just sets off dogs. It, just, <laughs> it does, actually. It's, a, it's, it's species. Just uh, It's so ingrained in any canine brain. Yeah, yeah, we... Um, we were we were devastated afterwards, but I went back to the social club that night to drink my sorrows, and that's what you did back in those days uh, in '97, pre-internet and everything else. So I went back to the social club and had a few beers, and, and lo and behold, about ten o'clock at night, I, I walked past Terry Wallace in the urinals and the toilets, and he had this sticker across his head saying, "We blew it," and apparently. Uh, <laughs> He was pretty jovial and uh, he was pissed. And uh, I actually, after that, uh, walked out to the middle of the Witten Oval. I don't know, probably had one too many. And uh, literally then stood in the centre square and burst into tears. And uh, I tell you, that was a uh, that was a, a night I'll never forget. And I really love uh, people say, who's your favourite player? It was uh, Tony Liberatore because I think Liber, after 97, went and locked himself in his bedroom in his mum's house and didn't come out for a week. And that's what wow. I felt like as a supporter. <laughs> Total devastation. We were so close, but uh, but missed out in 97. Well, if that doesn't prove your bona fides, uh, I don't know what is. Craig, thank you so much for joining us and, and telling us all about your connection to the club. What um, what, 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 what would you like the listeners to do? If, you, if they're buying, selling, uh, you're looking for a rental, uh, yep. I don't know. What, what, what services are you offering? Well, look, Give um, us a spiel. Yeah, with Jay Stevens, fourth generation family business down there at 104 Sumville Road, Yarraville. But um, reach out to us uh, if we can help in anything in the inner west. That's our core area, the city of Maribyrnong, city of Hobson Bay. Any Anything to do with uh, listing or selling or renting or anything at all, residential real estate, give us a call. Happy to help out. But even give me a, a, a shout out personally on my mobile and uh, I'll certainly look after you as a listener of this podcast. So all the best, guys. Thanks, thanks for your time. What a great bloke. Didn't you enjoy that, Boydie? Listening I, back. I actually, mate, when I, again, like to reference Robert, what I said at the start, he, he actually has some of the most insider info on like yeah. the Bulldogs of the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, and it's just been a part of the club's history for such a long time. So, um, again, look, yes, he's a sponsor of ours, but as also, you know, he's actually his nephew, I believe, is actually from Norwood, my local football club. Oh, hey. Um, 
So uh, that's actually how we got in contact originally. Sam Blees, who was drafted to the Melbourne Demons at pick 10 as a 17-year-old, I believe. Don't Ooh. quote me. Maybe 14. Sure. And uh, ended up playing a bit of time at Geelong as well, um, but had a lot of issues with concussion, I believe. So um, ripping guy and obviously a big supporter of the pod. Now, mate, talking of ripping people, what have the listeners got in the mail department this week? All right. What do you want to start with? Do you want a serious question? Do you want some dumb questions? What, what, what do you feel? I think I mean, we go we'll some to... dumb questions, right? Let's All do some right. dumb ones here. Okay. First one. Here we go. Uh, can we draft Shane Biggs in the mid-season draft? Oh, my God. I um, <laughs> Not that you should read Instagram comments, but Bailey Smith and Shane Biggs put up a funny-ass photo of themselves on the weekend or just catching yeah. up. And they're just two, they're two iconic heads <laughs> that you, you, know, you just couldn't forget. Hashtag Shane never forget. And, um, and I was reading through the comments and um, one of them was like, oh, two blokes who haven't achieved anything yet or something oh, like yeah. that. And I'm like, what? that's just like the dumbest comment ever. Not only has Shane Biggs won a premiership, he's also the greatest DJ in Melbourne. Like, yeah. you know, he's been he's gone, from, he's gone from strength to strength. Oh, and um, don't forget his number one uh, achievement, Tommy, is uh, he's got his episode is the most downloaded episode of our show. That's right. And he was also one of the most entertaining guests we've ever had on the uh, the grand final preview. Like, yes. Oh, he ma- mate, he makes me laugh, that guy, more than anyone just about in the world. Um, yeah, so anyway, it is. Uh, it, I wish we could, but what I do know about Shane, having seen him, is that his body is absolutely <laughs> feeling the pain and agony of a, uh, I don't know, he must have got close to 10 years of AFL footy, maybe, oh, maybe not quite, maybe eight or so. But yeah, lots of, lots of injuries. Maybe for team morale, we bring him in, just as that yeah, sort of pep talk on the bench. Yep. Pre-game tunes. Could be an option. Led, yeah, that's what we know. Actually, just let's just get him at Doc because the the pre pre match music is okay, but I'm sure Bigsy can do it better. Or post match music, perhaps more no, Shane's more Shane's oh, yeah. repertoire. Now, actually, I wanted to talk to you about this. Um, you you know, famously, the demons quote unquote stole our song uh, for yes. that um, uh, freed by desire. Now, I watch. A bit of round ball on the weekend. I saw my beloved Glasgow Celtic uh, go to glory uh, with Ange Postecoglou. Guess what song they played at the stadium after the trophy yeah, was lifted? Probably but the guess same what one. Song so. Was played in the Liverpool change rooms after they won the FA Cup final against Chelsea. Yeah, it's quite a popular song. So yeah, that's that. what I'm saying. Yeah, we yeah. need to be well, less look, precious I, about I it. I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put it past Melbourne stealing it, if you will. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't mean either. But it's also a good song, so you don't steal rubbish ones, obviously. <laughs> so, um, like, it would be weird if, um, you know, all of not not to say this is a rubbish song, but it'd be strange if everyone started playing in excess after they beat Port, Port Adelaide, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be. That'd, do you know that, what we should play? Do you know what we should play? And it's not a great song, but it is a great piece of music. And it would actually, in, when I was in uh, Germany in 2006 at the FIFA World Cup, every single match ended with uh, Go West by the Pet Shop Boys, which is actually, you know, yeah. not, you know it's sort of a bounce song, but it's got that, and it sounds quite epic. And it, it made the end of every game sound huge. We should play that after Sons of the West. 
It's actually a really uplifting stadium song. Is that the real chanty sort of song? I'm trying to think. Together, we will go somewhere. Together, we will. I don't know the words. No, no. There's there's another one I'm thinking of, which I can't. I yeah I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but they play it at the um at, they're playing it at the NHL hockey at the moment. Oh, and okay. it's oh, in, the, just, in the ads? Is it in the ads? No, for no, an no. They they, no. They, they chant it. The the fans oh, okay. chant it. I think it. Um, I can't remember which. Anyway, oh, um, if you know what it is, it's, get that, in it's touch. that no, no, it's that no hus that song. The um, it's like a to European song of some description, but like a bit house party ish, very chanty. Very scream it in the opposition's face, sort right. of thing. Um, let's give it a go. <laughs> yep, I agree, mate. What's next? What else have we got? All right, let's go for a serious question. Uh, this is from Dave. Um, was Ashley Hansen moving on uh, cause a change in our game plan? No. Okay, no. next question. It, uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no. So the assistant coaches they don't make the game plan. Um, they obviously contribute to implementing it, but certainly, certainly not in the sense that you never change it. You never change a game plan based on personnel leaving because the problem with it is, is there's no there's no secret source to football that is so secretive that another team knowing it is going to completely ruin your game plan. Like you could tell me exactly where Dustin Martin stands every single week and exactly what his plan is. I still could never play on him and stop him getting the ball. Doesn't really matter. So okay. yeah, I remember right. the best example. The best example of this is in 2017 in the second NAB or whatever preseason game we played uh, Melbourne at Highgate Reserve, and we lost our um, opposition analysis guy Craig Jennings the year before to oh, Melbourne. No. So he'd gone across, and um, I remember running out, and the Demons players were actually using our terminology for positions on the ground so they literally just like well we have secret terms do we well we we had a theme so everyone has position on the ground like pretty much everyone has you know where the winger stands on the defensive side is called something and where the winger stands on the offensive side of the ground is called something the forward who goes up to the stoppage is called something like there's always names for it so that they usually try to all link together Okay. And I think I've mentioned it before that we used to use a Top Gun thing. So different <laughs> positions were named after different pilots, right? So you got Maverick, Goose, Iceman. Yep. Right. Jackal. Is Jackal one? Or I haven't actually seen Top Gun. So anyway. I, yeah, I, I've, I have seen it, but not for 30 years. It never really grabbed me as a kid. Yeah. Uh, the, anyway. The, was, it, yeah. It, but it's more just like, okay, here's like just a, a story to help explain you know, these specific technical terms that right. otherwise would have to come up. Like, and the yeah, DZ using our terms. Which is absolutely ludicrous because you, all you'd have to do is just change the change the name to your own <laughs> and no one would know what was going on. But they were trying to play that same aggressive, high defensive position, um, which like JJ made famous, Eastern Ward, Matty Boyd, Bob Murphy – as we were, except they had no idea how to play it because they just started doing it that preseason. <laughs> and we went out there and we were just like, this is so strange because they're playing our entire game plan. Um, so, no, we and obviously it didn't work for them uh, in that game, I don't believe. But, yeah, you can't 
just know someone's game plan and disrupt it in football like maybe you could do in other sports i don't know but um yeah it's no it's too there's too many variables in football to just con, uh, confine it to, to one thing that a, a coach would be able to um take and implement when he moved elsewhere though what i would say is that when ash comes up against us the opposition coaching group at Carlton, which is where I'm mm-hmm. at. Yeah, yeah, that's where he's at. He's going straight to Ash and going, "Who's good? What are their weaknesses? How do we beat them?" They they're going to ask him all of those questions, and he'll yeah. give as much insight as he can. And it's the same with yeah. GR. It's the same with all, uh, Kingy, all the coaches who have who have changed. And it's uh, yeah, and, and look, Bevo would have done it as well when uh, playing up against Hawthorne back back in yeah. the day. And, and ideally, it'd be interesting actually to know what it's like now with the soft cow. Actually, I'm not across how this changed, but opposition analysis used to be really, really quite a big part of the game, right? Like you need to know, and they'd fly, play, uh, fly coaches, you know, there's always those pictures of, you know, Alistair Clarkson or Bucks or whoever it was at the time sitting in the stands watching the next week's game, yeah. uh, next week's opponent. Opposition, I'll, I'll, yep. Yeah, with the um, with the soft cap getting cut down, maybe the uh, the old flights program has been cut a little bit. They're just watching it all from <laughs> AFL media. But um, yeah, I, I don't know how much goes into it. So maybe it's more valuable to have a coach from another club than it used to be. But um, yeah, certainly not game change. But we wouldn't have game changed plan, the game change. plan. All right. Okay. All right. Time for another very sensible question. Bradley wants to know what else could Libba advertise with an A frame. Um. So he's advertising the membership. Now, do you have insider info? Is that because he was late to a team meeting? So the rumor goes? I don't have insider info. haven't asked. Yep. I actually, when I first saw it, I kind of thought that Libba would just do that. <laughs> <laughs> he just decided it was a good bit of like funny PR. But yeah, it sounds like a, there's a good chance that this was a, a punishment related uh, thing. All in good jest. Um, I think we've <laughs> talked about this on on the show before. You you never got a punishment because you you just paid the fine. No, I I um oh yeah I did do that. But before then, before when we made it a fun thing, because um when when it was still a when I first got to the footy club, I'm I was late to one session and I was forced to call ten members who hadn't re um like had let oh, their membership nice. lapse. Um, and I was like, so, uh, why are you, uh, not signing back up with us? Oh, family troubles. Okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) Like it was, they were the worst. It was always like, mate, it's really expensive. And you know, we've just decided this year is not the year for us or whatever, or we haven't done it yet. And yeah, that was pretty horrible. Anyway, what else could he advertise as a tattoo is more what I want to know. Oh yeah. Well, (laughs) What other obscure Simpsons jokes could he put in on his uh, <laughs> on his forearms? Because man, well, the thing I love about his Simpsons chats—they are yeah. not, like that's late Simpsons. Like no one—that's yeah, yeah. that's not one of the classic episodes. Nah, him and Lin, Lin Jong are absolute avid fans for memory. Jongy has some of the most obscure Simpsons like gifs or gifs. however you pronounce it? Uh, you can say either. It all—it's all good. Yeah, well, I th- yeah. So let maybe. Oh, do you know what? Actually, that's that's the answer. No one watches The Simpsons anymore. We need Libba to advertise that The Simpsons is still on on Seven Mate on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh gosh, that's a good point. 
It's as big as their budget would get. All right, let's go to a, a proper question. What do we got here? Uh, a few people just talking about how good um, how good Buku is. You know, where have we kept him? I think we sort of covered that before. Uh, uh, hey, if you want, hey, speaking of dumb uh, comments, I'm going to throw uh, one of our fr- one of our fans, Gary, under the bus. He's got a he he's got a good question, by the way. It just goes on to a dumb idea. Um, it says, "How can we improve our defense through trade or drafts?" That's the good question, great question, Gary. However, then he says, "I think we should trade uh, a f- Nick Nat. We should trade Tim English uh, for Nick Nat and a first rounder." And I got to say, that is an absolutely terrible idea, considering Nick Nat is an absolute Ferrari of a player, but he is a Ferrari that is absolutely beat up and broken mm. and very old. Yeah, and we've put six years into Tim English to get him to be right, you know, where he is right now. Yeah. And he's and looking only going to get that for us. Yes. And, yeah, I think, uh, I think uh, Gary, if the West Coast got that call, they would accept it in about oh, three seconds. Point uh, two of a second by my calculations. Unless they've got another Ruckman in the wings and they're thinking they're going to get someone decent. Oh, the other thing is they're, they're, they're pretty low on the ladder, so it might actually be... Wait, oh, is he saying we trade a first rounder or they do? I'm pretty sure... I hope he means they trade a first rounder. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Nick Matt in a first rounder for Tim English. Their, their, their first rounder might be like pick four this year, so... <laughs> Yeah, you know, mate. Yeah, I don't know. There's this um one of the the uh, sports shows I listen that cover this the states um sports. So they always talk about they're like, oh yeah, but you're getting all these draft picks, and they always just say, yeah, but we got absolutely no idea whether any of these players are ever going to yep. be any good ever, including uh you know highly prodigious six foot seven number one <laughs> draft picks from <laughs> Melbourne. You know, who ended up not having a hugely successful career other than, you know, winning a premiership. So, Bordy, Bordy, I appreciate um, your uh, your humility there, but I'll just remind you it's, a, it's an audio medium. No one could see you pointing at yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I thought I made it pretty clear that, yeah, yeah, that uh, I was talking about me. <laughs> um, yeah, so a bird in hand is worth two in the bush. Might be worth 10 in the bush when you're talking about young Ruckman who can actually make an impact on the game. So, yeah, and so Tim, how do we improve I, our defense? Uh, and another question, it sort of goes with this. I think this is a great question by Sarah. Um, you know, wh- why are we so hot and cold? How do we become a more consistently great team? Uh, I think the second question is um, we have hot and cold players as at the moment. So, okay. if you have six hot and cold players, the ten- the tendency of the rest of the team will be that it'll be hot and cold because the game is. If you think about the game as like a collection of a thousand moments or whatever the number is, right? <laughs> Essentially, it's, this is not a like philosophical thing. This is a very literal thing um, because every you know every handball, every kick, every contest, every um, you know spoil, whatever it is that there, there is a a number that dictates how many of them there are in a game, and you you need to win a portion of that more than the other team basically to win. It's like that inch by inch sort of thing, you know what I mean? That's like, exactly what it, I'm thinking. Inch by inch, yeah. play by play. I play, right. You know, yeah. you gotta you gotta so, fight and die for that inch. Yeah. Uh, so any, the way by I the like way, if you're confused, that. we're referencing the film Any Given Sunday. One of the great monologues. Uh, awesome film if they cut out like, you know, fifty minutes because it was like <laughs> four hours. Um, well the beauty of so, that yeah. scene 
is uh, yeah. he knows, like, if he loses that game, he's going to be sacked. But he also knows, and the audience don't know it at this point, and spoilers, block your ears if you've not seen it. He knows if they win, he's going to quit anyway. So he's actually saying goodbye yeah. to his players in that. It's his, yeah. He knows yeah. it's his last speech, but no one else yeah. knows it. That's That brings uh, even more gravitas to it. Yeah. Al Pacino had a few credits in the bank by that stage. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, and, and the way I look at it, Danny, if you really think about it simply, is that when you first join the AFL, if you are a key position player, you might win 20% of the time and you might draw 30% of the time and then you lose 50. It's kind of like probably about right. If you're a midfielder, it might be like 30. That means the numbers aren't important um, per se. But you over the course of your career, every year you should essentially win more and lose less until you're at your peak and then decline. Yep. We probably have six or seven players who are in that first bucket, which is they probably win 20% of the time. They have a really good crack 30% of the time, but they're getting overpowered and outclassed by better players half the time or whatever the number might be. And that's what really leads to breakdown in you know offensive play, breakdown in defensive play. Um, turnovers in particular, which hurt you defending. And also we've had some players that just quite frankly haven't been on the park to defend our, you know, the opposition key forwards. And the final piece of it is that in today's modern game, with the way that the kickouts work, if you kick a lot of points, you're giving your opposition a hell of a lot of opportunity to set up their offense because you yeah. don't, you, the man in the mark's like 50 meters away now and you don't have to kick the ball to yourself. So the ball's on the wing. Straight away, rather than yeah, okay. you know the typical yeah. you you know if you had a good someone like a Dustin Fletcher you might be able to get it up there but no one else could so um yeah long winded way of saying if we improve the bottom six or seven players and they continue to get better we kick straighter we'll defend better and yeah. we'll win more and we kick straighter then we're all good all right last question let's finish up on this I mean. <laughs> It's the, you know, I'm almost loath to bring it up because it's just so such a hack comment. But uh, where does Eugle Hagen fit uh, into our forward line? Oh, it, it, AJ, AJ actually asks, general thoughts on a second key forward? Because we could have, imagine our forward line was Eugle Hagen, Buku, Brucey, Norts. That is, I would love, that's, that's all. And, you know, probably Bont in there as well, considering that's where Bevo's playing him. That is a, that's one of the strongest forward lines the dogs have ever had. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to work. Why not? Come just, on. Of course it will. We need, we need more small people for starters. Um, where does Hugo Hagen fit? I don't, I'm not a cross he's very helpful. So they'll just throw that out there as an absolute um, honesty. Yep. Um, I think that my, my guess would be that if Buku's playing, it's indicative that perhaps he's not, um, playing as well as they would hope or they're as high a standard as they want for him to be out there every week. So, um, look, I think Hugo Hagen is the consummate third tall who could be anything, right? Like if we play Norton and Bruce, he's quick enough and agile enough and athletic enough to play as that third tall and a guy who's probably a bit short, probably not quite good early, and he might be the guy who pops up and kicks three or four um, every couple of weeks because uh, he's so talented. Yeah. But until he can play that second stringer and cop a very, very good, um, you know, sour defender that's going to make his life hell, then 
it's going to be challenging for him. And that's just the nature of playing forward in the AFL, to be frank. That's not anything to do with Yugo. It's, it's just everyone. Everyone has to go through this as young forward, except for apparently Aaron Norton, who's just like better than everyone. <laughs> um, but that, that's just the nature of just learning to deal with the, the defense at the, the senior level and the professional level. So I'm really excited about his future again. But like, if you look at the way they've managed him, um, they've managed him much more conservatively over the years than perhaps they would have otherwise. Um, and I think that's served them well and they're probably going to do the same. And the same yeah, nice. Sam, Sam Darcy as well. So Yeah. Well, in the VFL, uh, got, uh, he got two behinds, only five touches. So I don't know if he came off with an injury or whatnot. But uh, look, we got thumped by the Magpies as as is, is – we're getting thumped a lot in the VFL just because we've got so many injuries in the AFL. So that's what's happening. But, you know, this, yeah, uh, Crozier played pretty well. Look, we, we're doing all right. So we should wrap up. We'll just give uh, final advice about – we're playing the Suns uh, this Saturday. If you're heading to – um, Ballarat. Oh, don't forget to vote as well. Get yourself a sausage or a you know oh, this. Considering the the demographics of uh, West Footscray now, get yourself a uh, a vegan uh, soy based snack. Uh, and uh, when you get to Ballarat, uh, just remember the temperature is our friend. So maybe just uh, be blowing onto the ground the whole time. <laughs> just just a bit of just a bit of that. Just to add some extra wind chill to spook yeah. the Suns players. That's well, my. We need, we need to. We need to. We need to bring the uh, victory back to Mars, mate. Or is it called, yes. called Mars still? Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, because yeah. we lost Adelaide there, and it should be the hardest players in the world to play football if you're travelling from interstate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Tom. Well, thank you very much. Do you have any final thoughts about anything? <laughs> Uh, no, mate. Very important game. Very important three weeks. Yes. Uh, we will see you again. Patreons will see you next week. And everyone else will see you in a couple of weeks. Today's time. episode was proudly brought to you by 8 Star Energy, creating energy for the future and power you can count on. Follow them on Facebook, 8 Star Energy. I gave my childhood to that role. Of the red, white and blue sea And the knowledge that you had to love The bulldog boys and me Twenty years on, I feel that longing Hanging in September air But the reason I go every week Is to pretend you're still there And they will find the glory one day And I will throw it at your feet It's a long, long road they're running for you The dogs of Footscray Streets It's a long, long road they're running for you Dogs and Footscray Streets